How many people here get annoyed easy? Come on, be honest. You all have something that annoys you, don't you? Uh, yeah, you do. You do, you do, you do, you do, you do, you do. And I know that the government annoys me sometimes. It really does. It annoys me so much. But I'm not, this is not what I want to talk about today. At the local authority, they annoy me. Some of the decisions they make, so, oh, man. But it's not what I want to talk about today. People annoy me. Not you, other people. They annoy me, but I don't want to talk about that today either. That's for another day. We're going to leave that one go as well, all right? I, you know, some things that may annoy you may not annoy me, you know, and other things that you do, uh, that's okay with me. You know, whether you hang the toilet paper over or under, I'm okay with that. You can do what you like. You know, whether you uh, lift the seat or leave the seat down when you're finished using the toilet, I don't mind either. As long as you flush the toilet, I'm okay with that. That's, that's not a problem. You know, um, I've gotten used to bad drivers. Oh, I mean, our road is full of bad drivers. I've gotten used to them. Uh, God is working on me to help me to get over bad drivers. Praise the Lord. You know, because sometimes in the past, in the past, you know, uh, BC, uh, when I see a bad driver, uh, I get annoyed. And I sometimes used to give him uh, hand signals. Uh, and um, other times I'd give him, you know, uh, um, voice signals and, uh, you know, hop off. I'm a work in progress. It annoys me, but that's not what I want to talk to you about today. Oh, yeah, and people who leave the room and, and leave the door open and let the cold air out. That annoys me. Praise the Lord. Pray for me. There are things that annoy me, but none of them are the things that I want to talk to you about today. I have been trying. God is working with me. He really is. God is working with me. He's working Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 into my spirit that says, if at all possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peaceable with all men. I'm working on it. Praise the Lord. I'm working on it. But there's still one thing that annoys me. Really annoys me. Oh, it, it, it really gets my goal. And, and, and that one thing, uh, if I'm completely honest with you, I pray I never get over. There's the thing that annoys me that I don't want to ever get over, and that is people who don't believe that our God is powerful. That really annoys me. I'm, our God is so powerful. And I want to talk to you about that today. Uh, and more specifically, the thing that really, really annoys me is Christian leaders who devalue or downplay this amazing power that the amazing God that we serve has. That annoys me. So bear with me. Give me a bit of grace this morning as I try to unpack all of these notes that God has given me over these last six weeks uh, and, and I'll try to communicate to you today without getting too frustrated or too annoyed. Okay? Got me? Yeah, praise God. Church, in case you didn't know or have forgotten, our God is a powerful God. He is a powerful God. There is no power in this universe that's more powerful than our God. Okay? Let's get that out of the way at the very start. Atomic bombs are powerful, but God is more powerful. Our sun in our universe is powerful, but our God is more powerful. Amen? He is the most powerful thing ever. Okay? That's just a fact. Just because you may not believe it, or some people may not believe it, doesn't not make that a fact. You're okay with that, yeah? Because there's people who don't believe in certain things that we all know are a fact. Okay? So, uh, just because you don't believe, or you may not have been taught in the past that God is all power, does not make it true. Our God is all power. Amen? If you are familiar at all with your Bible, if you've read your Bible at all, you will have read of time and times again where the people of God have gotten into impossible situations. 
And every time, not most of the time, every time our God rescues them, He heals them, and He delivers them without fail. Amen? You throw somebody into a pit filled with lions, and God will set them free. Amen? Amen? He did it for Daniel. Amen? You throw somebody into a roaring furnace and close the door on them, God rescued them. Amen? You throw somebody into a roaring fire, every time they're burnt up, when God is involved in the situation, He rescues them. Amen? And let me go a little bit deeper for those who, who've really read their Bibles. Let me tell you that metal doesn't float unless God is in the equation. Donkeys, they definitely don't talk, amen? Don't try that one. Don't stand in the field and talk to a donkey, okay? But if God is in the equation and God needs a donkey to talk, he'll make it talk, amen? If God needs to make metal float, God will, need, will make metal float. That's how powerful our God is. Now, when you've read your Bibles, you've read your Bibles. I know you maybe haven't read them all. That's okay. That's fine. But you've all read something in the Bible. And I know every one of you have read some amazing miracle that God has done at some stage. And have you ever wondered to yourself, why did God put that in there? Why did God fill this little book that I have in my hand this morning? Or that app on your phone with stories of time and time again when he rescued people, delivered people, healed people, done amazing, miraculous things for people. Why do you think God put that into book form and gave it to us today? Did he want us to be able to read about the things that he used to do? So that we'd be able to read about all of these amazing things that God did and go, wow, our God was so powerful. Do you think God done it that way? Or do you think that God actually recorded these things, all of these wonderful, amazing miracles in His Bible, in His Word, for us to read them today and go, our God is still so powerful? Are we treating God like a person from history or are we treating God as who He is, the all-powerful God? For my money, right? For my money, now you might disagree with me, maybe depending on your age, you might disagree with me. Pele was the greatest footballer ever. For my money, he was amazing. I mean, the things that Pele could do was just unbelievable. The guy won three World Cups. He was just phenomenal. In a time when it wasn't easy to play soccer, Pele was amazing. I don't think if we all, soccer in the world lasts for the next thousand years, I don't think we'll ever see a player better than Pele. Yeah, you have your Ronaldo's and your Messi's, but Pele. I mean, even just the name Pele was magnificent. But the problem about Pele is, if you want to know about him today, you got to either read one of the amazing books that was written about him, or you got to go onto YouTube, and you got to type in Pele, and you got to watch videos there about how great he was. Problem is, he died a few years ago. And there's no way that you could pay money today and go and see him play. Let him give, it, give you an exhibition of how good he really was because, unfortunately, he got older and as he got older, he stopped playing and as he stopped playing, his, his abilities all faded. Now, I think when people, and, and more specifically, when people who talk about Jesus from a stage like this or a pulpit like this, when they talk about how God used to do great miracles in the past, 
I think they are just relegating God to the same as what Pele has been. He used to be great. He used to be amazing. But not anymore. Amen? Our God, can I tell you? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? When you read through the Word of God, you will never find a time where God failed. You will never find an instance where God let one of his followers down. Never once did God find himself in a situation where even God said, even I can't do that. Never. Amen? Every problem, every situation, every circumstance, every dead end, every lost cause, every impossibility, every time God finds a way. And if he can't find a way, he'll make a way. Amen? Isaiah 43 and verse 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. What's a new thing? Something that's never been done before. God said, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. If God has to, he will do something that has never been done before, never even been thought of before. Because he and only he can do the impossible. Amen? On the 25th of May, 1961, this is topical, President Kennedy stood before the U.S. Congress and he proposed that the U.S. should commit itself to achieving a goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. Furthermore, he went on to say in a speech in September 1962, he said, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Do you know in 1961, when President Kennedy made that speech, we were about as far away from going to the moon as we are from being able to fly as human beings. They had not got the technology. They had not got the know-how. They had not got the ability in any way, shape, or form to be able to do what he said. But President Kennedy said, we are going to do everything that we can we're going to invent stuff. We're going to make stuff up. We're going to design stuff that have never been thought about before because this is our goal and this is what we are going to do. Do you know when humanity gets to a place where they think that they can go no further, they start thinking about how can we get over that mountain? How can we get through this mountain? How can we do the thing that people say is impossible? Humanity does what humanity has to do. And just eight years later, on the 20th of July, 1969, NASA landed the first men on the moon. You know, if humanity comes up against something that seems to be impossible, he never gives up. Amen? We don't give up. When we come up against the impossible things, we don't give up. Instead, we set our determination to overcome the things that seem to be impossible. And we usually succeed. I wonder how much more our God can do. When President Kennedy went with his dream of sending people to the moon, he went to the best academics of his time with his proposal, and most of them said, it is impossible. Others said, it will take hundreds of billions of dollars to be able to do that. And others said, we could do it. Amen? Can I give you a bit of advice this morning? Surround yourself with people who say it can be done. Amen? 
There are way too many people out there today who say things are impossible. We need to surround ourselves with people who say, yes, it can be done. Amen? Nothing is impossible for our God. Amen? Nothing. Our God, He's a way maker. He turns the impossible dream into reality. Amen? And all He is doing today is He is looking for people to agree with Him. Amen? He is looking for people who still dream the impossible dreams. People who, who we can work with. Amen? Our God is a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. And as the song goes, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen? Never forget, our God will do whatever He has to do to make a way. But, there's a but, we have to believe. Amen? We have to believe. If you don't believe that He can, then He can't for you. He still can. He absolutely still can. But if you can't believe that He can, then He can't for you. Amen? God's only limitation is our belief. If we can believe Him, then He can. If we can't believe Him, then He still can, but He can't for us. Amen? God wants us to believe. Amen? Mark chapter 9 and verse 23 says, And Jesus said to them, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. What does it say? If you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible for you who can believe. And that's what annoys me so much about Christian leaders today. Some. Just because they haven't seen. Just because they haven't experienced God's power. They have stopped believing in us. And can I tell you, that is so dangerous. That is so dangerous. Because if the person in the pulpit doesn't believe it, he'll never teach it. Amen? If the person in the pulpit don't believe it, he will never teach it. Look what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 17. He said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul said Jesus didn't send him to preach the gospel out of his own eloquence, because we know Paul was well educated. He said, Jesus didn't commission me, didn't tell me to go preach the gospel out of my own knowledge, out of everything that I know, out of my education. He said, because if I do that, I will preach a gospel that's out of my experience and I will strip the power out of the gospel. Amen? The gospel, this good news, is not to be spoken just with eloquent words by educated people. It is the actual power of our God. Amen? The gospel is the power of God. And if we start to preach a watered-down gospel, what we're doing is we're removing all the power from the gospel. Amen? It's like all these low-fat products you see today. Oh, I hate low-fat products. Hate them. There is no joy in low-fat products. There is no joy in low-fat chocolate. I mean, 
Who decided to make low-fat chocolate? Cho chocolate is people's joy, amen? So why would you make it low-fat? There is no joy in, in, in low-fat Coke or that Diet Coke, that's dishwater, amen? There's no joy in that. People say they like it, they're lying. Give them a full, normal, full sugar Coke, and I tell you one thing, they'd never drink another Diet One again. They've trained themselves to like it, you know what I mean? There is no joy in low-fat products. By all means, you know, you keep on enjoying them if you want. You know, praise God, they are good for our health, I understand that, but I'm just saying there's no joy in them. Amen? Why is there no joy in them? Because they've been stripped of all their goodness. Amen? They've been stripped of everything that's nice in them. Amen? Praise the Lord. And I think when we start to talk about God, you know, without the power of God, we're making Him a low-fat God. Amen? We're stripping Him of His power, stripping Him of His goodness. Amen? Glory to God. By the way, I'm not against low-fat stuff, praise the Lord. But they're just not the same. You know, the power of a gun is in a bullet. What's the point in, 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 in giving someone a gun and giving them blanks? They're powerless. They make a noise. That's all. The power of a pen. You know what the power of a pen is? The ink. If there's no ink in a pen, it's useless. The power of a rocket is its fuel. The power of God is in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. You know, by saying things like, God doesn't heal today, or God doesn't heal everybody, or God doesn't provide today, or God doesn't always provide today. You know what you're doing? You're removing the power of from God's Word. Amen? You're just making it a low-fat gospel. And as bad as that is, as bad as it is when people start to, to stop believing themselves, it's even worse when they start to preach that, when they start to tell people from the pulpit, you know, that God doesn't always heal, doesn't always set free, that God picks and chooses. Amen? That's, that's dangerous. Amen? That's dangerous. When people start saying that God doesn't always, or God chooses whom he'll heal or rescue, I mean, praise the Lord. What are you telling people? Amen? What are you telling people? It's like you're telling people that you got to get God on a good day. God has a bad day. So you got to get him, get him on a good day and God will do whatever you want for it. Or you're telling people, oh, there's a magic word. you gotta, you got to know the magic word. But the magic word changes every day. actually changes several times every day. So when you're praying, if you don't include this magic wording, God won't heal you, won't deliver you, won't provide for you. That's what you're telling people. You're telling people that God is double-minded. Amen? That he's schizophrenic in a way. That he'll choose this person over there. He'll heal that person, but he, he won't heal this person. Amen? Our God is not schizophrenic in any way. Amen? He doesn't pick and choose between his children. Our God is all-powerful, but we have to believe. Amen? We have to believe. Amen? Other people are saying, this is what really gets me. Oh, I'm getting annoyed now. Praise the Lord. 
It annoys me when people say that, that God is glorified in someone's continued sickness. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that so many times. God is glorified in this sickness. This person has been sick for the last 40 years, but to God be all the glory. I mean, God is not glorified in sickness, amen? How could God be glorified in something that the enemy brings? Amen? The enemy brings sickness. How could God be glorified in something that the enemy brings? If God was ever going to be glorified in sickness, then he would have introduced sickness into the garden. Because he would have said when, when Adam gets sick with a flu or a cold or a cancer, then Adam is glorifying me. That's so, that's, praise the Lord. Rubbish. Amen. God is not glorified in sickness. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 30 says, And a vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others, and laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. He healed them all. Amen. Not one person went away from Jesus that day or any other day still sick. Everyone that came to Jesus, he healed them all. So with some, some people saying that God is glorified in sickness, well, that's just a new thing then, is it? Because he wasn't glorified in sickness when he walked the earth. Because if he was glorified in someone's sickness when Jesus walked the earth, then Jesus wouldn't have healed them all. He would have said, you hold on to that sickness there because I'm getting the glory from it. God would never get glory from evil. Amen. Because God is good. How could he be glorified in something that's evil? Amen? God did it in the past. He will do it today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what should we do if we find ourselves under the influence of people who don't believe it's God's will to heal, prosper, and deliver today? Well, look at this verse with me in 2 Timothy 3 verse 5. He said there, people like that are having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Paul is telling Timothy about the kind of people that will be around in, in the last days. He said, and here's how he describes them in verse 5, he said, that they will have a form or an appearance of godliness. They will say things like, God bless you when you sneeze. They will carry a Bible. Praise God, they'll probably have a whole library full of them. They'll have scriptures on their wall where crosses on their necks. They will tell you that they'll pray for you. They will attend church. Some of them will even preach in churches and some will even lead churches. But the Living Bible puts it this way. It says they will go to church, yes, but they won't really believe anything that they hear. Just because someone claims to be speaking for God doesn't mean they're speaking for God. Amen. Amen. Jim Jones done that and he slaughtered many. Hundreds of people in Guyana all those years ago said he was God's messenger, said he was speaking for God. Don't always have to believe people who say they're speaking for God, amen? Here's what you have to believe, the Word of God. And if anything that anyone says out of their mouth, be it me, be it anybody else, that doesn't line up with what it says here in this book, these pages, then you don't believe it, amen? You believe what the Word of God says and the Word of God only, amen? Just because people claim they're speaking for God doesn't mean that they are. Watch how the names of God Bible puts it. They, in their verse 5, it says, They will appear to have a godly life, but they will not let its power change them. 
they will have all of the lingo, all of the education, all of the outward appearance of a good Christian. But deep down, they're denying the power of God. When you have people saying that the Jesus of today is not the same as the Jesus of the Bible, that he is not still doing all the things that he did when he walked the earth, the New King James Version says, for such a people, turn away. The Living Bible, it says, stay away from such people. The Names of God Bible says, don't be taken in by people like this. Amen? If people are saying these sort of things that God won't or God chooses today, then the Word of God says you turn away from those people. You get away from those people. Amen? Why? Because you're allowing them to influence your life and you're allowing them to, to convince you that our God is not powerful. These people have even gone to the place where they say that God chooses whom he saves. They teach that Jesus didn't die for everyone, that he only died for those whom he chooses. Calvinists believe that at the beginning of time, the beginning of time, right, that God selected a limited number of souls to grant salvation to. And there is nothing that an individual can do during their mortal life to alter their eternal faith. As I was studying this out during the week, I was listening to a lot of what some very well, uh, well-known and very well-intentioned, don't get me wrong, these people have good intentions, but very well-intentioned people who believe that way, who believe that, that God only sent Jesus to die for the elect. And a lot of them in asking, you know, well, do you believe that you're one of the elect, that you'll be saved when you die? A lot of them were saying, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. People who preach stuff like that, they themselves are not sure whether they're part of God's elect or not because they believe God picks and chooses whom he will save. I mean, I don't know about you. I've got two children. And if someone was to ask me to pick between one of them and the other, I would refuse every time. I would say no. I could never pick between my children. If one of them was great and the other was pure evil, could I pick between them? No. No. Would I give more to one than I would give to another? No. I would still give them the same. Because at the end of the day, they're still my children. How much more does our God love us, his children? And how much more powerful is our God that we would even for a second think that Jesus would not be powerful enough to pay the price for the sins of all, not just a select few. Amen? Why would Jesus, the last thing he would say, as he ascended into heaven to his followers in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, why would he say, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? Why would he say that if preaching the gospel to every creature didn't give them all the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of their lives. Why would he do that? He wouldn't. If there was no possible way for those people to get saved, why would Jesus give us this futile job of preaching the gospel to people who wouldn't get saved? Amen? My Bible reads, and I'm pretty sure your Bible reads too, Romans chapter 
10 and verse 13. It says, For whoever calls on the name of God shall be saved. Do you see that word there, whoever? You know what it means? It means all. It means everybody. It means whoever. Are you whoever? Yes, you are. Is your neighbor whoever? Yes, they are. Is your boss whoever? Probably. <laughs> yes, they are. Amen. We are all whoever. Amen. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Because Jesus is powerful enough. Amen. Amen. Jesus is powerful enough to save all, not just some. Amen. You know what they've done? People who preach that sort of stuff, they've disarmed God. They've disarmed God. They saw that God was powerful. They saw that He was powerful in His Word, and they've decided that today we want to disarm Him. We want to take His power from Him. That's what you do when you have an enemy that's more powerful than you. You do everything in your power to disarm them. And I believe that's what some people have done today. They've read about all the amazing things that Jesus did, all of the healings, all of the deliverances, every time he provided, set people free, made a way where there, was, where there was no way. And many people have concluded that that wasn't for today, that Jesus only did that in his day and in his apostles' day. And if they started to talk about what the Bible actually says, now people's expectations would exceed their faith to believe in him. Now that's really important. I've that highlighted here. That's so important. I believe many people will not tell people about the power of God because if they do, what they're doing is they are building up people's expectations. And the people's expectations then would exceed the person who's telling them's faith to believe for them. You get that? And I think that's dangerous, amen? That's so dangerous. It's just because I don't believe it, then why shouldn't I preach it? And that's what's happening. People are like, you know, I don't believe it, so I can't, I can't preach it. I can't tell people about it because I don't believe it. And if I preach about it and people get a hold of it, then they're going to come to me and say, will you believe with me? Will you pray with me? And what they're doing is in their own mind to say, I can't preach that about God because what I'm doing then is I'm writing checks for God that I can't cash. But what they're forgetting is these checks that they're writing for God, they're not expected to cash. Amen? You know God will cash his own checks, amen? Do you know what? That, and praise the Lord, I'm so thankful. That's... That, that God didn't create it in such a way that He expects me to stand over His Word to perform it. Praise the Lord. God said that He'd stand over His own Word to watch over it and perform it. Amen? You know what? It doesn't take me having to really believe it in order for me to preach it. Because when I preach it, when I read it, it builds faith in me. <clears throat> Amen? I don't have to Listen, I haven't been to heaven. Amen? I've never talked to anybody that has been to heaven. But I believe in it. Amen? So will I talk about it? I absolutely will. Amen? So just because I've never seen someone raised from the dead, just because I've never seen someone with one leg 
suddenly sprout in the second one. Just because I have never seen cancer falling out of someone's body or, or someone with a heart disease getting healed just like that, just because I've never seen it doesn't mean that it's not in the Word of God and doesn't mean that I shouldn't preach it. Amen. Because if we just preach what we've seen or what we've experienced, then praise God we may as well just shred these Bibles. Amen. Amen. Because we've never talked to anyone that's been in heaven. We've never been there ourselves. I've never talked to a person who've come back from heaven and said, it's great, it's amazing. But we believe it. We believe it on faith, amen. We believe that God heals, delivers, that he prospers today on faith, amen. Amen. I am not saying to God, you know, I'm not, I'm not like Thomas. Seeing is believing. When I see it, I'll believe it. And if you, if, if you surround yourself with people who say that the miracles of God, the power of God died out with the apostles and that only today he'll pick and choose people that he might heal here, he might heal someone there, then what you're saying is that, that God is not good for his word. Amen? You're saying God is not good for his word. I heard a pastor talk one time about how he was born with a birth defect. And one day his parents, while they read the Bible, they were reading about the amazing miracles Jesus did, and they read the scripture over Mark chapter 16 and verse 17, and it says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And they thought to themselves, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then if God healed in the past, he will still heal today. So they went to their pastor of the church that they went and they said to him that we've been reading through the word of God and we've come across this scripture in Mark chapter 16 where it says that if the believers lay a hand on the sick that they will recover. And the pastor of the church that was unfamiliar with healing in the church because it's not something that their denomination believed in. But he said, okay, if it's in the word of God and if, okay, if that's where your faith is, come on, let's, let's pray and let's lay hands on the boy and, and see what God does. And they did. And the boy was healed. Miraculously there and then. Praise the Lord, amen. Word got to the bishop of this denomination. Called in the pastor. Said, hey, listen, what happened? What's the story? And the pastor said, you know, that, that my parishioners, they, they came to me and said that they've been reading through the word of God in Mark chapter 16. And they said, you know, that they read that part where it says that we will lay hands on, on the sick and they will recover. And they said to me, you know, uh, we believe that if we can do this, that, you know, that our son will be healed. And they asked me to do it. I prayed and, and praise the Lord, he was healed and and the bishop said, hey, that's amazing, that's fantastic. Praise the Lord. He said, don't ever do it again. Don't ever do it again. That's not what we believe. That's not what we preach. And if you do that again to somebody else and they don't get healed, they come back on us and they'll say, hey, listen, you're, you're, you're selling a false gospel. You're telling people that we'll be healed and they won't be healed. That happens when people believe that it's up to them. That in somehow there was something I did to cause you to have your miracle. It's not on me. Amen? Amen? We don't have to prove the Word of God. God proves the Word of God. Amen? I have not been called to defend the Word of God. God defends His own Word. Amen? Amen? I have just been called to preach and teach the Word of God, to build up faith in God's people. Because if you don't have faith in the Word of God, how will you ever ask God to intervene in your life if you don't believe that He can? Or if you don't believe that He will, or He might choose, He might, maybe He would, maybe He won't, and, 
and it's a flip of a coin. Amen? Let's not be people who deny the power of God, who disarm God. Amen? Let's not become PC Christians who preach a, a, a watered-down word of God where, you know, we, we, we don't touch on the power of God because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to offend that sick person who's been carrying that disease around for 30 years. And I've been praying, I've been believing God for healing for it, but I still haven't seen it. So let's, I, I, I won't preach it then because I want to offend that person. I don't want to hurt their faith. Or I don't want to preach that God will heal, God will deliver, God will prosper because that person then will feel condemned that he hasn't done it for me. Amen? Let's not be that kind of a church, amen? Let's be the kind of church that believes the word of God and believes the power of God, and believes the sovereignty of God, and believes that God, what He done in the past, He will and He still does today. Amen? If Jesus did it in the past, He will do it today. The passing of time has not diminished the power of God. You know that, don't you? You know, just because Jesus has left planet Earth, He didn't take His power with Him. Amen? He left his power behind him in his word. Amen? John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, The word was with God. And the word was God. Jesus is the word. Amen? Amen? Our God will never fail. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Hey, listen, if somebody told me, I'm being honest with you now, all those years ago when I was being witnessed to, if that person who was witnessing to me had said to me, you know what, God has chosen His elect from the foundation of the world, and you may be either one of them or you may not be one of them, there's a good chance that you might not be. And you know what, God done all of these great things in the past. But you know what? They all passed away with, with his apostles. If the person who was witnessing to me had told me all those things, I'd have said, I'd take my chances. I'd take my chances. Because I don't want to serve a powerless God. Amen? I don't want to serve just another God. I mean, I was serving that in religion. Amen? With all our lovely statues, with all our lovely altars and all that stuff. I was serving that in religion. I was tired of that. I wanted someone, something with a bit of dunamis, a bit of power, amen? I wanted to serve something that was alive, amen? Not a dead God. All these other religions, they serve their dead gods, amen? Their gods have graves. Our God doesn't have a grave, amen? Because He's still alive. He's powerful still today, amen? His mercies are new every morning. I think what a lot of Christian leaders have forgotten is that we're not living in the enemy's kingdom, amen? We're living in the kingdom of God, amen? So instead of us trying to defuse or disarm God, we need to trust and we need to believe in the power of God. If God did it in the past, He will do it again, amen? Amen? If God did it in the past, He will do it again. 